Well, if you've not done so yet, open your Bible to John chapter 17. I want to make a few opening comments about this text. I want us to read the entirety of the chapter. We're going to sing a song, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. And then we're going to come back, focusing upon a portion of this text to use this as our own prayer language to the Lord this morning in prayer. As I told you last week, John chapter 17 is considered by many, many people to be uh, maybe the most significant chapter in all the Bible, which, again, that's one of those superlative statements that at one, on the one hand, it's like, oh, my goodness, really? And then on the other hand, it's like, well, we hear that all the time, right? But what makes John chapter 17 so magnificent is that it is rightly called in the Gospel of John the Holy of Holies of the Gospel of John. It is not unusual for us in the Gospels to see Jesus go off uh, somewhere to pray to God the Father. What we usually don't get, we don't get to listen in to the content of those prayers. But that's what we have here in John chapter 17. We have um, the perfect communion between God the Father and God the Son. And so this is a, a rarity for us to be able to listen to the Son pouring out His heart to the Father and to listen in to exactly how the perfect Son of God communes with the Father, which is exactly what we're here to do together this morning. So that's what makes John chapter 17 a great help to us. And I've decided for us to, to, to spend uh, the next several weeks together in John chapter 17 because it is majestic in glory. J.C. Ryle, the old 18th, or 17th century pastor in England, said this, you could spend the rest of your life studying this prayer and still never scale its heights. There are sentences, words, and expression in the 26 verses of John uh, 17, which no one probably has ever unfolded completely. We simply don't have the words to do it or to understand the matters, even if we did have the words. Now, if you get that, there's a little complexity to that statement. But what he's saying is we don't have the vocabulary to put into words the communion that's taking place here. And even if we did have those vocabulary, we don't have the mind to understand the words we would even be saying to try to capture what's going on, on here. And so I think it behooves us to spend some time in this passage to see the perfect communion of the Son and the Father and the Father and the Son and the Spirit and use this as a springboard for our own time of fellowship with the Lord. Let me read the text and then we're going to stand and sing, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. My great Redeemer's praise. John 17, 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. That's the hour of his death. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, 
but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not, a, not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. John chapter 17 is a, a wonderful passage for us to uh, listen into our Lord's prayer to the Father and for us to at least take some cues from in our own prayers. Now let me say this. There is a sense in which John 17 is a prayer that only Jesus can pray. If you listen to it, Jesus is talking about some of the things that he has accomplished by the will of God in his life, in his ministry. There's a way that Jesus prays this prayer that we cannot pray. It would be blasphemous for our, us to pray it the way that Jesus did. Uh, some of the things that he says are only true of him. But having said that, the cues, the themes, the, the passion of Christ for what he has done and why he has done, done it is where we draw our attention from in prayer. And this morning, for our time in prayer, I want us to focus upon the first three verses. John 17, verses 1 through 3. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Why? Since you have given Him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given Him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So Jesus begins His prayer in the place where our prayers should begin, privately and corporately. Father, glorify Yourself. Jesus prays, glorify Your Son, that the Son may glorify You. Now what's going on there? Jesus is there referencing the, 
the covenant of grace that was established before the foundation of the world. The covenant between the Father, Son, and Spirit. One of the things we, we know about God is God is self-existent. God is independent. God needs nothing. God doesn't depend upon anything. So then why did he create the world? It, it wasn't because there was something lacking in him that the world could give to him. He would have been perfectly content in eternity. And I, say, I need to see this, say this very carefully. Just being God and glorifying himself as the triune God. Father, Son, and Spirit in perfect communion one with the other. Perfect fellowship, perfect worship of himself. But in the wisdom of God, there was a way to go deeper into his own glory. And that is to create a world for him that would rebel against him and to which he would send his son to go and die for that world and die for a people that would live unto him forever and ever. He didn't need their praises forever, but it, it, just, it, it was a way to maximize that glory. And there was a covenant between the Father, Son, and Spirit to work together in accomplishing this work of salvation for the glory of God. I hope you hear an echo of John 3.16 there. For God, who He is, so loved the world. For His glory, He did this. And Jesus says here, Glorify the Son that the Son may glorify you since you have given Him, your Son, Jesus, authority over all flesh. What's Jesus saying there? In eternity past, you have given me authority, sovereignty over everyone and everything. That's my right. That belongs to me. I am sovereign over everything and over every person. But notice he goes on to say, he's not only drawing attention to his sovereignty over all of things. He's King Jesus, sovereign King Jesus over the entire cosmos. But what he's saying here is, you have given me authority over all flesh to what? To give eternal life to all whom you have given me. So he's drawing attention to his sovereignty, not just over all things, but he's drawing attention to his sovereignty to give eternal life to not everybody, but to a specific set of people that the Father in eternity past set apart and gave to him. That, that glorify your son that the son may glorify you because you've given me authority to redeem a people sovereignly to save a people who don't deserve it, who would never do it on their own, to sovereignly save a people that you gave to me by grace. They didn't deserve it. They didn't earn it. You gave this to them by grace in the everlasting counsel of the eternal Trinity. And Jesus here is drawing attention. This was the plan in eternity past to glorify you, that the Son would glorify you in this way by accomplishing that salvation in the lives of those you gave me for your glory. And now, where is he at? He's at the doorstep of the cross. He's, he's at that moment to where he will accomplish that salvation for those people. And here he's praying, glorify your son. That in what we're about to do, you would be glorified. This is all about you, dad, father, triune God. Everything is about your glory. And what is this eternal life that God has given the Son the sovereignty to give to those that the Father gave to Him. Are you following? 
What is this eternal life? It is not just life forever, which is how we tend to think about it. And we know that because Jesus himself defines what eternal life is. He says in John 17, 3, and this is the eternal life that you have sovereignly given me the authority to give to those you gave to me. And this is what eternal life is. Not long life forever and ever and ever and ever. But what? Verse 3. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is a wonderful description of the work of God in the soul of man. This is a wonderful description of what the gospel of Jesus Christ calls us to. We repent from our rebellion against God, from our despising God, and we turn to the one who has made us and called us by grace through Jesus Christ, provided the way for us to return to him, to know him intimately, personally, to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. This, John says, this, Jesus says, is eternal life. Not that they have a head knowledge of who you are, but they have a heart for you, a heart that loves you, a heart that doesn't despise you, a heart that treasures you, that values you, that communes with you, that fellowships with you, that walks with you. This is what it means to be born again, to be born from above, to know God in his holiness, his purity, his righteousness, to know Christ in his redemption, in his mediatorial work, in His sovereignty over all things. This is how Jesus prays, just begins the prayer. Glorify your Son and the work I'm about to do in accomplishing the salvation of those you've given me in eternity past. And why did the Father give Him those? Because these were the worthy ones? No, because God is kind and merciful and gracious for your glory. 